Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You're tuning into the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries, and your number one source for after show entertainment. <laughs> TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Hey guys, oh, it feels so good to hear that music! We are back with Doctor Who Classics here at AfterBuzz TV after a short November hiatus as the main show wrapped up. Uh, we got some exciting stuff from Peter Capaldi. Capaldi, Capaldi, I don't know how it's pronounced. <laughs> but we're talking about uh, Doctor Number 2, Patrick Troughton, episode The Web of Fear. I'm your host, Zach Wilson, and let me introduce tonight's fantastic panel. To my left, Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody. Over to her left. Katie Cullen. Hi, all my buddies. And I want to welcome to the uh, first time on the Classics panel, mm-hmm. Kristen Gerhardt. Hey, hey. Am I pronouncing that right? That is correct. Okay, yes. Tari regenerated. Yes. Uh, we, we, Tari... Uh, it's not as good as, as the first one. He got into <laughs> a, a little accident, really he tripped and he fell as he was walking down the stairs, and, but luckily he had a regeneration left. For a minute there, you know they're going to take you seriously and be like, oh, God, is Tari okay? Tari's fine, Tari's guys. Tari's fine, yeah. <laughs> Tari's fine. Um, he just won't be able to join us anymore. He has Scheduling some... conflicts. Yes, exactly. But we will continue on in his stead. Companions are replaceable. That hurt a little. <laughs> oh, that was fantastic. They are, though. Oh. I mean... Well, so are doctors, Yes, <laughs> everyone. Everyone's replaceable. That's the beauty been on for 60 years. of Doctor Who. Um, but let's let's talk about this episode. What do you guys think? This is... There's a lot of first appearances in this episode, but what do you guys think of the story overall? I was very disappointed that there were no spiders. <laughs> I was told there were going to be spiders involved, and there were none. But that being said, you know, silliness aside, I really like the idea behind the villain in this episode, like in this sets of episodes, the the great intelligence. I like the idea of the great intelligence being a recurring foe for Doctor Who. Yeah, and I like watching the great intelligence appear in Modern Who mm-hmm. with Matt Smith. I never realized it was an old character <laughs> until well, this, this spans a, a bunch of episodes because we've seen the Yetis before, and the Yetis mm-hmm. come back, and then there's a the great intelligence, and then they come that comes back, and it's just it feels like it's a running theme starting from like. Season, you know, foot five. It's pretty early on, all the way through Modern Who, and it's very cool to know that 
at some point it's going to keep coming back and it's going to come back. And it's, I, I love it because it's so mysterious and it's so awesome, especially in Modern Who when you see the new, like the snowmen and you see like the kind of new persona that it takes on. It's very spooky. Yeah. And we could have avoided all of that if Jamie hadn't messed it up. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> he's wearing a skirt. You know? What can you do? He's wearing hey, a kilt. It's the he original can. battle skirt. No a, one's complaining adorable. about the skirt. The skirt is great. <laughs> we just need a little wind in the episodes. Come on. <laughs> just a little wind. Not in the subway station. No. Uh, yeah, that'd be a little... Can I just say, I really like the team that we have going on. I like the Doctor. I like Jamie. I like Victoria. And I like the way they work together. Yeah. It's... It's actually really nice to see because we've seen doctors and companions not get along in classic and in modern who. So it's really nice to see, okay, I trust you to go off and do the thing and I trust you to go off and do the other thing and I'm going to do this thing here and we're all going to work together and we'll all like he trusts his companions and it's fantastic. Yeah, and just uh, to give everybody a little bit of backstory for anyone that didn't know, uh, this is sort of a sequel episode mm-hmm. if you will, um to the Abominable Snowman, Snowmen, um, which, which we didn't watch. Which we didn't watch because the episodes do not exist. Yeah. Um, then why? Those are from season four, which is almost, com- that that season is almost completely lost to time. Um, these episodes, The Web of Fear, were actually almost all lost for the longest time as well, except for episode one, uh, all the episodes were gone until the, what was it, two years ago when they found yeah. in Nigeria? Mm-hmm. Um all, I think a whole bunch Zimbabwe of Zimbabwe? I thought it was Zimbabwe, and then it's I looked Nigeria. it up, and oh, it's Nigeria. Nigeria. okay. Um, and they found that little cache of old Doctor Who episodes. <laughs> what are they doing there? <laughs> hey, Nigerians want Doctor Who, too. <laughs> you know they can't control where the TARDIS lands. Fair enough. <laughs> Apparently not where the film lines up, either. <laughs> It'd be interesting to see if they're still restoring part of the series, and if it's if, if episode three is going to come back to its former, former glory, and we'll actually be able to watch it and not just hear it. Yeah, that would be awesome. They had we we had to watch it on like, the little freeze frames. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mind the freeze frames though; they're very funny with the, with like the extreme close ups and then coming back <laughs> yeah. out. It was the very zoom awesome. in on the little yeti like yeah. figure. You're like, what is that thing? I <laughs> like, mean, all things considered, given that audio was all we had, like you do appreciate the still frames, you know, just in trying to piece together the episode for you, so that you don't only have the audio to go well, off. Of. I'm a fan of old radio shows, so it was kind of like, you I just hear close you. your eyes, <laughs> and you just, it was awesome. It just felt like, it had that whole, that, like, like, 1930s radio show feel to it, which was awesome. Yeah, it really does. It sounds very War of the Worlds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Except this time, there's yetis that are actually <gasps> robots attacking you in the London underground. And they have the coolest guns ever that <laughs> spray you with web Fungus mist. guns. The best. Fungus guns. Spider-Man would be so jealous. <laughs> Fun guns? <laughs> Fun, fun guns is fun a little guns. misleading. Oh my gosh. A little misleading. <laughs> well, I'm sure the Yetis are having fun. <laughs> I'm sure they are. There's a lot of things fun guns it can apply the, to. It is the slowest way to die, probably, with those fungus guns. They kill you very slowly. I don't know. They died pretty quickly when they walked into the fungus. Well, oh, yeah. That when you walk into the fungus, when they're, like, spraying seconds. something, it's like, it takes them, like, 20 minutes to cover it, and they're like, ha-ha. They're slowly <laughs> coating you. You're like, oh, no, I'm stuck. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I can't fight this any longer. <laughs> Exactly. Um, yeah, I actually thought that the Yetis, as a villain, and this is the first time we were introduced to them because right. we couldn't watch the episode, mm-hmm. but this is their return. I thought they were actually really good monsters once you accept the fact that they're there <laughs> because why? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I feel well, like I would have accepted them a lot more readily had we seen the previous story. 
or even just going into it, we didn't know there was a previous story. So we get 10 minutes in and go, wait, they've met this person before? This has been a, okay, Wikipedia time. <laughs> oh, well, it starts oh, to it's make, a sequel. Yeah. It starts to make a lot of sense, too, when you see the intelligence. And, and you, especially if you've seen Modern Who, you go like, oh, I get it. Oh, I so get it. And then that guy. Music, memories. You, you use it, and- exactly. So it just all starts to fall into place, but it really takes you to the end of the the whole arc of those six episodes to go like, oh man, and then you want to watch them again. You're like, oh, I totally understand now. But then you're like, oh, I've been watching this for three hours. Yeah. <laughs> um, more like we, four hours. We fell back into the pacing trap for this one. The the uh, Tomb of the Cybermen was so good as far as pacing went, and here we went back to. The first two episodes could have been done in maybe 10 minutes. The second episode could have been done in maybe 15. And the back three were great. Yes. Yes, but if we, uh, yes, when you watch them all at once, it's it's a little bit slow. But if yeah. you break this down like you're watching each episode a week, I think it's actually a really nice, like, so, sort of like horror story. You've got like, you're what, because you set it in winding paths of the London Underground. So you feel like you're in a big city while being very confined to a small mm-hmm. space. And slowly. Things are closing in on you mm-hmm. as the fungus is going through and cutting off certain uh, certain rail lines, and mm-hmm. it's getting closer and closer. You're getting people who are getting claustrophobic and panicky, and you don't know who to trust. So yeah, it had it definitely had a lot of good suspenseful elements. But I, I agree with Katie. I felt like the first couple episodes were pretty slow. You're well, also, once they got also, going, it was awesome. Though. If you consider the initial audience, the first thing they see is this doctor that they've seen in a previous season. The, Professor, the, what, what remind me of his Travers, name? Travers, right? Professor yeah. Travers. Travers, thank you, Professor Travers. And they see him as an old man, and they see him freaking out about a Yeti being there. And so, you know, as a new audience who hasn't seen it, we're watching it going, okay, that sure is a thing. But the old audience is, the Yeti are back. Professor Travers is back. The intelligence is back. What's going to happen? So they go into this knowing, here's the villain, here's the monster, Here's, we have basic expectations. How will it unfold? It's like walking into a horror movie sequel for us. Mm-hmm. We know what Freddy Krueger does. We're just going to watch how it goes down. There's also a huge cast for this six episodes. A mm-hmm. lot of people yeah. you're introduced to. So I could see if you did this all, like the first three condensed into one episode, I don't know if I'd be able to keep track of <laughs> everyone that's involved and everyone that, you know, dies over the arc of, the, of these six <laughs> you episodes. You mean most of them? Yes, almost all of them. Poor weeds. But it's, it's just a lot of people to keep track of. So I like that they kind of slowly introduced you to them. The, the frustrating part is those the second and third episodes where people are just kind of wandering around and everyone's separated <laughs> and you're like, just find people and do things already. Yeah, but I get that. Gone for like two episodes. There was an yeah. episode, one episode where yeah. the doctor does not appear. I think mm-hmm. it was episode two. He mm-hmm. just doesn't. He's not <laughs> he's there. He's just gone. Well, he's, he's knocked out, right? Because of the explosion or yeah. the, with the the yeah. titular character is missing. I mean, but it's it's okay because you still have Jamie and you still have Victoria and you're still introduced to a ton of people and then they get separated. There's like a lot of stuff going on, so you don't necessarily miss him. You're just waiting for him to come back. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and Jamie and Victoria are completely capable of carrying yeah. the story. They've really made them well-rounded characters. Mm-hmm. Again, I I love this little trio. This is my favorite so far. There's a lot. There's a a lot of reasons that these are seen by a lot of fans that I've talked to as some of the best companions of all time. Because mm-hmm. um, J- especially Jamie is mm-hmm. just like everybody Jamie's loves wonderful. him. Oh, I mean, how fantastic. can you argue with a dude that has the confidence to run around in a kilt <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> across the galaxy and time? 
No complaints here. Nope. No, <laughs> That's fantastic. And I loved that Victoria came out in that, like, classic 1960s <laughs> oh, yes. clothing. Just like, I found this back in the <laughs> wardrobe. Like, why do you have this sparkly vest back there? I wonder about you, Doctor. Like, <laughs> fantastic. Victorian I mean, it works, girl. but... Um, but it, it worked to have them on their own because they didn't need the Doctor. And mm-hmm. I think one of the strengths, having set that up, is that it let them sort of fill in the people that didn't know who the Doctor was, mm-hmm. and some of the characters already knew who he was, so we didn't have that let wasting time, I'm the Doctor, who's the, what, Doctor what, Doctor who? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, again, uh, uh, which, don't get me wrong, I love that joke every time they drop it, <laughs> but it like it slows things down. You don't need to introduce us to who, oh, you have a TARDIS, so you're from another time and space. Like You can just gloss over that because the characters have already been introduced to him, to it off screen. He doesn't have to deal with it, so when he gets in, we trust him, he knows what to do, just follow the doctor's lead and he's going to solve everything. Well, and with the exception of... Um when when somebody actually joins as a companion, I think this is the first time, at least in Classic Who, that we've covered, where they come across an old friend. Like, this is the second mm-hmm. time they, they've met somebody before and presumably will meet again. I, I don't know if Travers and Anne come back, but I would like to see them again. Yeah. I really liked Anne. I don't know about you guys. I really liked her, especially when she pulls out that line. What is it? Like, a, I have a short, I have a quick temper and really long claws. I was like, ooh. They gave her a lot of good lines. And it's yeah. something I know that we've talked a lot in the past um, about the, uh, it's any 1960s television sexism. has issues with sexism and racism and all that stuff. But I thought this one was fairly progressive, especially exactly. when I loved her line. When I was a little girl, yeah. I wanted to become yes. a scientist. So I became a scientist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was fantastic. She just established right away. She was like, um, I'm here to do things, all right? And I will get this done. And I love how that her and the doctor kind of team up yeah. and essentially get that Yeti working and like really make huge progress. And she was a critical point in that turn of events, which I thought was awesome. And she's shown to be on the doctor's level. Mm-hmm. He, and he, he trusts her. He's yeah. conferring yeah. with her. Exactly. What if we did this? Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. He trusts her, and so we like the doctor because he's reaching outside the obvious people to go to, like the brigadier, like all the military people around him. Uh, <laughs> Which? The brig. We'll get into the Brigadier because this is like, it's a huge drop when you, well, yeah. whatever, let's talk about it now. Um, it, it's, uh, I, I had to write it down because I, I always screwed up. Brigadier, uh, or Brigadier Sir Alistair Gordon Lethbridge Stewart. Lethbridge Stewart. Lethbridge Stewart. What a name. Alistair's a great name. Um, but his first appearance and he's a colonel. He's not General <laughs> Brigadier Alistair. Gordon well, Lethbridge Stewart. <laughs> well, unit doesn't exist yet. I had yeah. no idea that was him until the credits went up and Katie started freaking out. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, that's the name. It's the brig. Uh, well, it's like it's a character, and I did some research on it, and it was never meant to be a recurring character. Really, it was just supposed to. Be, they had a military guy. I'm show glad up they in the brought him episode. back. He was great. Um, oh, he was fantastic. Oh, yeah. He was great. He's fun, and they just—they had a uh, generic military uh, character later on. I believe it's in the episode called "The Invasion," um, which we maybe we'll get to at some point. I have to look up if it's even available. Who knows what? Yeah. Who knows this point? <laughs> I don't even know what exists. Um, but is so it on a streaming site? Exactly. Is it in a vault in uh, the Sudan? Who knows? <laughs> or maybe in it's someone's in an basement. ancient Egyptian pyramid somehow. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's I would believe that. If there are any lost Doctor Who episodes, they're probably somewhere that they shouldn't be. They're just they're in the library the of Pharaoh. Alexandria. <laughs> they're <laughs> under Stonehenge, you guys, in the Pandorica. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> um, but anyway. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Brigadier. 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 The Brigadier. We'll just call him the Brigadier. It's yes, way simpler. Way easier. Um, but so he was just, they liked working with the actor, and so they brought him back. And then when it came to Pertwee's season, where he's working with Unit, which we will absolutely get into uh, once we move through the second Doctor episodes, they kept him around. They're like, this guy <laughs> should be a recurring character. Um, and, and he was, and it's great. But he's a fun character. I mean, how did you guys feel about him? He's supposed to, he's almost like our threat in this episode. We're supposed to think he's right because, like, where did he come from, and how did, and what is he doing here? And he's so kind of like in your face, but you realize that he's doing it in a, in a really he has like good intentions. And he's like, no, I want to help. I want to. I want to be there. I love just the way he delivers his lines. It's almost like the British William Shatner. <laughs> and it's it is so so good with the Vincent Price mustache. Yeah. Like, I have to watch that again. Oh my that gosh! That was not the impression I got. No, but now that's all I'm gonna there were so see. many times where I'm watching this episode and I'm like, were those words? Like, did he actually say something that I should be paying attention to? Because I, I, I couldn't understand subtitles. it. Right? I turned on. We but, we all did subtitles. Right, we right. needed them. But he was so. I thought he was fantastic. I especially in the last episode. When he really kind of, I don't know, kind of brings everyone together and you see him kind of being chased by the Yeti and he's, you know, he's dealing with everyone dying around him. But he's still like, no, we're going to get stuff done. I'm here to help. I want to save these people. How are we going to save them? So awesome. He's just, he's smart and he's fun and he's active. And I think that's what we really latch onto is that he's an active character and he's not a bumbler. Right. Like, he's well, driving the story forward without being Evans, yeah, who's yeah, like, Evans. <laughs> you Welsh jerk. Well, I loved him in the beginning when he has that line, or when, um, when what is it, uh, Jamie says, uh, you're, tr- you're only out to save your skin. He's like, well, that's the only one I've got. And I was like, oh, I kind of <laughs> like you. But then he turns into such a jerk, and I'm like, oh, I just want you to be the one that they kill. Because, yeah, at first <laughs> it's kind of funny, and then it kind of, after, you know, I guess six episodes long, it kind of gets obnoxious, especially because mm-hmm. he lives and doesn't die. <laughs> And he's not yeah. evil. I was I wanted him to be attracting him to be the agent of the intelligence yeah. right up until yeah. right up until the one guy so, Oh, Arnold. I miraculously survived and then he said, The Yeti are yeah. coming for us. Like you when, weren't there for that conversation. It's him. Exactly. Yeah. Dang it. When he survived was my first clue. I was like, Oh man, it's gotta be him. But dropping information he could not have had because he was not there for yep. that conversation. I think that's like, more no, I liked you when you were alive. <laughs> That's more on writing, I think, than anything else. Yeah. Um, and it's also, um, I saw one comment on this, these episodes that there's a lot, there's a few, there's more than a few plot holes. And they're partially forgiven by the fact that there was no such thing as VCR or DVR at the time. So if you weren't watching it right then, you wouldn't, you, you, you wouldn't remember exactly. six weeks later. Oh, I'm not complaining about the writing. Yeah. I thought that was actually a good clue. Because the line goes by so fast, you wouldn't pick up on it unless you went, wait a minute. Were you there for that conversation? How did you know that? Well, I thought it was uh, the way that they played the mystery was great because I yeah. suspected everyone. I was betting on the journalist. <laughs> Chorley, yeah. Chorley. Right? Like, he's just wandering around and he's being so, like, he's questioning everything. He's being so rude. And you're like, oh, please well, let and it be he's him. He's the one outsider. Yeah. Like you kind of, you know, it, he's already kind of got fingers pointed at him anyway because apart from. Uh, Travers and Anne, he's mm-hmm. and you know our heroes that have wandered in. He's the only civilian there, meaning he probably has the least reason to be there, except for what a scoop. And that's a pretty good cover if you're if you're working 
for, you know, the great intelligence. But it it makes sense on one hand, yeah, he's the outsider, but how long has he been there versus the military guys? Because if the military guys have been there from the beginning and the intelligence has one of them mm-hmm. from the beginning, he's always one step ahead. It doesn't make sense for the intelligence to bring in an agent this late in the game. Yeah. Have you guys seen The Thing, actually? No, like John I know Carpenter about it. I, yeah, I mean, I know the story. I, I can't even remember it's, at this point. It's kind of similar to that because you've got a bunch of people, claustrophobia, they can't go anywhere. Um, not It wasn't a military unit, but there's definitely rising tensions as the body count starts going and you're dealing with something alien and you don't, and you know that one of the people around you is an alien, and you don't know what you know. You don't know who to trust, and so what ends up happening is you all end up turning on each other. Yeah, it's a great, it's a classic storyline for a reason, mm-hmm. um, and I I loved it in this episode just because you don't know who to trust, and you legitimately think like it could have been the brigadier. I think that there's a certain, to a certain extent, we brought our own knowledge of that character. I had no idea it was him until uh, the very yeah, I guess the but. last credits of the last episode, and then it was like, he was the brigadier the whole time! <laughs> I guess I, I recognized when they said Lethbridge Stewart, like, right away, yeah. it, like, clicked in my brain, <laughs> yeah. and I instantly trusted him until, like, <laughs> the ends of the earth. Um, but so, so you guys didn't know that it was him. Did you trust him? Did you think that he was yes. the agent, though, for I any trust- stretch of time? I trusted him. I thought it would be a little too obvious to make him the agent, and... Having, <laughs> I'm a military brat, so you see and hear about all sorts of military types, and he is the, we get it done in the most efficient way possible with the least amount of damage and the least loss of life, but we get it done. Mm-hmm. And that type is usually pretty straightforward, pretty good at getting things done if the bureaucratic type doesn't get in the way, and they tend to be pretty trustworthy. If they say they're going to do the thing, they're going to do the thing. And so that's partially my upbringing and partially my familiarity with that type of person, but yeah, it makes sense for it to be someone else. What, what about you? Did you ever suspect him? Honestly, no. I I I was keeping an eye on... I, I was falling for the red herrings. I, I love mysteries <laughs> and I love trying to figure things out, but I was totally falling for the red herrings uh, with the journalist and with Evans. And so I'll I'll admit, maybe I just wasn't... I wasn't using my brain when I was watching these episodes, but I fell for it. I even started writing down jokes in my notes about <laughs> distrusting the media. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just like, felt bad for Weems. Aww, he was the one guy whose Weems. name I remembered through three episodes, and then he got it. Mm. Like, Weems. Weems. Evans was, like, was everybody's favorite, and then it turns out to be Arnold. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was a bummer. Oh, it was so sad. I liked Arnold a lot. And, and then that, he died, and then he wasn't dead. <sighs> It was a bit of a surprise, and also just remember the fact that he didn't—he didn't die. They were talking about an agent being there before he died. Yeah. So um, I've heard that the book that they wrote based on this story, um, the the like the novel novelization, <laughs> explains that he was an agent before he died. Makes um, sense. That the show just doesn't go into. So we're just going to accept that that's what happened, mm-hmm. um, even though we don't know that. Word <laughs> <laughs> of God says it is so. Yes. The the, sh- the the master BBC <laughs> BBC says so, um, but uh, overall I thought the mystery was a good storyline. Yeah. Um, well, and 
going back to the thing, uh, the original, I believe, came out in the 50s, and this episode came out in the late 60s, so I can't help but wonder if it took maybe a little bit of inspiration from that. I have no idea. Well, you know I, what they're I saying. I would like to think it did. You know what they say about there being eight stories in the world and execution being everything. Yeah, there you go. Um, but so, do you guys have any thoughts, like, on, to, to go back to the Yetis, because we kind of sped through those yeah. guys. Um, they're robots covered in fur. <laughs> Except what? they have a little flap that you can lift up and then take their little sphere out and then put a new control <laughs> sphere in and cover the flap not, down. Not all the way, apparently. <laughs> right, the it's, yeah, the fla- it, it, like, it's a little, it's a little bulge, you know, to let you know there's a sphere in there. It's very, well, very strange. And I, again, doing the reading for the previous episodes, in the episodes where these sh- first showed up, there were also real, actual yetis and Tibetan monks trying to protect them. So, in that instance, you make your robots look like yetis so you can have the real ones and the fake ones and which are which, and you have that particular plot device to work with. And then in this instance, they just kept them because the yetis and the intelligence are intertwined and the audience would know there's a yeti robot, it's stuck around for this long, oh shoot, the intelligence is coming back. And they already had the props to use. Yeah. So I was fully willing to accept <laughs> that the intelligence would just be like, well, I have these Yeti in storage. I mean, I might yeah. as well Yeah. <laughs> make some fun guns, take over the subway. It'll be great. It'll be great. That was such an interesting twist. Like, I guess in the original, they had like a triangle thing that was like their weak spot. Right. Well, you see in the in episode three with one of the stills, I think. Is it episode three or is the end of episode two? You see a still where he's holding like a trying like a pyramid the, the pyramid mm-hmm. but yet he's holding it and it's just like for a second and you're like wait what what was that <laughs> and then it just doesn't come back until the end and then they put the doctor in the pyramid and you're like i think i've seen that before <laughs> <laughs> um but so i guess i'm just thinking about the the they replaced the triangles they were holding with ray guns that <laughs> yeah spider web fungus stuff I'm not mad at it. I like I like the the smoke guns. <laughs> I'm just happy that it wasn't spiders. See, I'm so disappointed. No, and I agree. You would have had me fault. climbing the walls if it was giant spiders the entire time, and, it would and have you been know so it. So entertaining. I think because like we had seen like the the title Web of Fear, right. and, and then just, the webbing around the TARDIS too, and like yeah, the, all that. The webbing around yeah. the TARDIS, plus we saw like a still just like on the thumbnail of this hairy looking monster with big eyes. You think it's a spider. And we're like, oh, it's giant spiders. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm a terrible arachnophobe. So I would have just been like, nope, no, And it would have been hilarious. But (laughs) I I was looking forward to that idea because I thought it would be really fun and entertaining and very like horror, like B horror movie from the fifties. Which Doctor Who, you could argue, is always kind of like that. Yeah. And that's what we got. We did get a B-horror movie from the 50s But it wasn't the B-horror movie that I was expecting. No, but it was the one you deserved. I thought it was great because you have these yetis and you're like, oh, they're the villain, but they're not. I love that extra layer of having the great intelligence controlling them. Like, they're not just yeti robots. There's this whole other thing out there. That's the thing. Once the great intelligence got involved and, like, that was the understanding, Mm -hmm. it was like... Oh, okay. No, this is way more interesting yeah. than yeah. just kind of random Yeti robots. When exactly. I was expecting giant spiders. Well, <laughs> again, as a new audience, we didn't have the framework for the Great Intelligence right. because we hadn't seen the episodes. For the classic audience, they would have been watching it, going, "But where's the intelligence? But when are they going to come in?" And it's it they would so have that building suspense mm-hmm. because for them, they're just waiting for the reveal. And then when it happens, it's like, "There it is! There it is! Now we're screwed." <laughs> Yeah, and so, I guys, I want to take a quick break. 
Well, we're at this uh, interesting little stopping point to talk about iTunes. Yay. Guys, thank you so much. As I uh, attempt to pull up to see if you have some new reviews. Uh, guys, thank you so much for tuning in uh, to this return of Doctor Who Classics. I know I keep getting questions on other panels, comments <laughs> on YouTube. When is Doctor Who Classics coming back? <laughs> really? It comes back now. Oh, uh, and I'm really human beings. Yeah, and I'm really excited you. that you guys are so excited to to watch us uh, to go through this like modern Who look at classic Doctor Who. And it means the world. And I want to, you guys to know how you can help us out here at AfterBuzz TV. Um, because AfterBuzz puts on over 80 hours of content a week. That's a lot of shows. And they're available to you at the low, low price of free. <laughs> um, and we want to be able to keep making those uh, free podcasts for you. We want to make keep making 80, 90, 100. I don't know how many TV shows there are on right now. There's probably a lot. Um, but we can keep doing these reviews, and the best way that you can help is to go onto iTunes and hit us with a review. We want to know what you think of this podcast. What do you think we can do better? What do you think we can do worse? That, that means we're doing it right, uh, in my roundabout way. Please just tell just, us just, that we're doing yeah. it right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but be honest. I want to. I want to know what you guys think of the show. What epi- But more importantly, what episodes do you want us to do here on Classic Who? Because there's a lot. There are 50 years, or approximately 45 years now, left of Classic Who for us to go through. And we want to know what episodes you guys are looking forward to. What you want to see more next week. We will be doing the Enemy of the World. We're going back in time by one uh, storyline because we skipped over that one. Uh, and people were upset. Wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just figured, yeah. who cares? It's, <laughs> it's Doctor <laughs> Who. We can go in whatever order we want. We could just go do an eighth Doctor story for no reason. We By could, which I mean the only eighth Doctor story. We will can we absolutely do, can we do, do that a, movie. Can we do a fifth Doctor story for no reason at some point soon? <laughs> like, Merry Christmas to me. <laughs> you think I'm kidding. Uh, well, we will definitely be, I, I do want to do a Christmas episode before we go into our break. So we'll have to do some digging and pick one out. <laughs> so tell us what Christmas episodes are good in Classic Who. And I'd say any Doctor at this point. Yeah. yeah. If there is doctor. a Christmas episode, that's, yeah, do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Grab it. I would love the, that's not the Daleks modern. try to steal Christmas. Did you know there's wrong? a song called I Want to Spend My Christmas with a Dalek? No. It came out in the 60s and it's awful. <laughs> but I love it. I think I still have it. So, yeah, that's a thing that exists. I oh want to spend my Christmas with a Dalek. Please share that. Like, that's it's going to be your last Christmas on Earth. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, uh, it's it's tough to dig through all these reviews, you guys, because there's so many fantastic Who fans that, that listen to this and the regular modern uh, Who that goes in conjunction with this. Um, but I do want to give a shout-out real quick to uh, Han Lover. Uh, nice. <laughs> Who, uh, after a big thing about uh, the current Doctor, uh, also says at the end, anyway, great show, and I'm really enjoying the classic Who shows as well. Yeah. Aww. Uh, we love you too, Han Lover. Uh, but yeah, give us, a shout out, uh, give us a review, and you get a shout out on the show as well. Five stars. Because so, we love you. So let's um, let's jump into the big finale, like finish of this episode. Which was um, really the last five minutes of the last episode. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. That's where everything happened. It, it's a big build up as like all this starts build up. All it builds, all the running through the tunnels, mm-hmm. all the getting going up onto the street for that. Oh, wait a minute. Before we get to the finale, I forgot about that awesome battle scene uh, and on the street. Where street, everyone yeah. died. Yeah. I mean, it was still awesome. <laughs> that was pretty I was, rough. I was surprised. I mean, 
I'm kind of used to like seeing Doctor Who fights where it's just like two two guys in like suits like hitting each other. <laughs> a guy like a, a, a guy with a plunger just like trying to like, hit you in the face. Yeah, and then exactly. Shifting the film to negative for a moment. Yeah, exactly. So to see this kind of military fight, you know, and not in kind of like the the Viking way, like we had with the those Hartnell episodes we covered, to where it's like actual modern military or modern at the time, it was very impressive. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a lot of fun. I liked the they had that that score that like we've heard plenty of times, not yeah. just the. The, the Doctor Who theme, but that like fighting score that like uh, I can't even I'm not going to start. Oh please no! Da 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 da! Wah wah wah! <laughs> that was a highlight of my life. Right there. <laughs> and everyone who has Shazam or Soundhound has it out. Go and wait, sing oh, more. I haven't it's listened to it yet. Tone forever. <laughs> it's now recorded. And it'll be available on YouTube and iTunes forever. For making ninety nine, making your text tone, you guys. Make it your text tone. I th- I think the special effects are getting better and better and better. And I think this fight scene was fantastic because it was it was not a terribly short one. And it was enough to give you like a a glimpse of like, oh, it's going to be even better as it goes on. Like the next episode is going to be even bigger and bigger. Are these the most explosions we've seen in the show thus far? It's the most shooting I've seen. Probably because they're throwing grenades at this point. Yeah. They're launching bazookas. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it was awesome. These are the Michael Bay episodes of Classic Who, aren't they? <laughs> I guess you could say that. With better writing and better women. Yeah. Uh, but we've gone from uh, firing like little like electricity like right. fake yeah. waves out of a Dalek's like laser arm mm-hmm. to pyrote- minor pyrotechnics mm-hmm. uh, like smoke bombs, which is fun. And when they're firing a bazooka and blowing yeah. up a Yeti, how often do you fire a bazooka and blow up a Yeti? It's like Mad Libs. A robot Yeti. A it's like Mad Libs. <laughs> it does sound like Mad Libs. <laughs> do you ever wonder if, like, at a Doctor Who, like, pitch meeting, if they just have, like, magnet words and they just throw them up against the wall? <laughs> and they're like, that's the villain of the week. Today, we think Angel. Got it. It's, yeah, it's just like Clue. It's like, uh, in the London Underground with a Yeti and the Great Intelligence. Go. <laughs> like Today dice. I verbed my weapon and verbed my adjective noun. <laughs> a sonic blank. <laughs> Does anyone have a toolbox? <laughs> oh my god. Sonic the, hammer? No. I'm just no, thinking sonic about saw? what I might have put onto a Mad Lib when I like was like 12. And like <laughs> what kinds of sonic objects might have happened at the time. It would have been all sorts of inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> Where's well, Yelty? Everything right? could use a little oh. more Sonic. <laughs> lots, lots of things could happen with that. <laughs> yep. Um, but anyway, <laughs> what were we talking about? <laughs> Those of you who oh, listen to Yelty, the finale. The finale. Um, once we eventually get up to it, yeah. they've been captured, brought in. The big plot, the big reason that this is all happening, and I love that it comes back to the Doctor. That it's not just a monster invading everyone just to invade. Yeah, and it's not even necessarily petty revenge, although it is a little bit revenge. Um, But I like that the Great Intelligence points that out. It's like, I'm not, like, petty like you humans are. No, like, this is a tactical thing. I have a specific objective that I want. You have something that I want, and you're going to give it to me or else. I ain't even mad. But I will destroy you. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. And he's he's willing to 
he's not, it's almost nice about it. Like, I'm not going to kill you. Right. I'm just going to revert you back to being a child. You're no going to be adorable. Yeah. I'm just going to take everything away from you that makes you who you are. <laughs> right. And then, and then all. Jamie's all concerned. And he's like, no, it's fine. I'll just I'll wait till I grow up. And Jamie's like... I don't know how to raise a child. <laughs> yeah. You're like, well, grow up. The doctor's like 500 years old. <laughs> how long is I know, this right? going to take him to grow up? And could you imagine Jamie and Victoria being the doctor's parents? Like, yeah. This they're... is a TARDIS. Oh, my God. I want to see that. would be so funny. <laughs> they're just like, it, it, the doctor's like, what does this button do? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's the bad end, right? <laughs> the, the, well, the you said end. that, and I, I just kind of think of, of poor Fitz at the beginning of uh, mm. the season of uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, oh man, man, alive. Like, oh, dang it. See, I was thinking of Dexter's Lab. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> that I, works, but, too. But see, what would be really interesting is because Jamie and Victoria don't know how to work the TARDIS. Oh, no. They'd be stuck. In London. Although, not a bad place to be stuck. Yeah, they, they yes, but out. occupied and fungused? <laughs> <laughs> I think Jamie's been on long enough that he could make it go. Yeah. Well, I, well, you see in the beginning of the episode what they're what he closes the doors. At least he knows where that button is, right? Yeah, that's something. That is the most important button. It's like knowing Apparently. how to turn on the radio in your car. Yeah. Well, if you start the TARDIS up with the doors open, you see what happens in space. Yeah. It's problematic at best. <laughs> um, but so the I what I liked about the to go back to our. Uh, discussion um, the finale the the plot line here is that it's really not about revenge like right. this is like i am the the great intelligence is on a mission mm-hmm. and he says i want you to su- uh, succeed in my mission you are in my way you are clearly very intelligent if not if as smart as me if not more so so what will i do i will take your intelligence from you and make it part of my own um my first thought on that was like i wonder if he like and part of this is uh, influenced by just storylines that I've seen recently. But if he takes the doctor's like memories and experiences, wouldn't that would he also take like the doctor's empathy? And like, because well, your but that's memories... also tying in you know emotion uh, versus just straight up like information transfer. So if it's going to be in a, like an emotional transfer, I don't know. I don't know how they would play that out. I'm sure they could find a way to reconcile it where he just gets the info. And doesn't get the empathy, or they could, or it could destroy. You know, he he gets all of Doctor Who, all of Doctor's emotions, or and he gets everything. all of he the just... Doctor's hate. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's all got the Doctor's so emotional. So yeah. it'd be really interesting to to know if that would be something that's a, like you know goes along with the whole package. Like if you're going to take my mind, you get all of my emotions. I guess that's in my in the way I see it is your memories are what give you your emotions. They're what inform who you are and how you behave. So to that extent, you do get like an emotional drop just from having those experiences in your memory banks. Uh, I part base this heavily on the recent run, a recent run of Spider-Man. <laughs> um, There's what, nothing wrong with that. Superior Spider-Man That's is fantastic one. if you haven't read it. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I could go off on huge tangents about that book. Um, but when he's going to take the doctor's intelligence, he like he's going to stick him in this pyramid, and the doctor's like, right. "Just let me do it, you idiot!" Just like, <laughs> well, you, leave we, me we're alone. not we're not let into the doctor's kind of master plan. I don't think even the doctor knew what he was going to do until he got in there and was like, "Oh, I can just do this." Well, well, he, he switched it when he was being brought in by the Yetis. He stopped them with his little box of doom, switched the wires, put the cap on, and then went, "Okay, we're going to continue." 
So he was the only person who knew right. what his plan was. To everyone else, this was the worst possible scenario. And to Jamie, he had the ability to end it. Right. Yeah. So he did. Exactly. And the doctor can't say anything to anybody because then that gives away, which makes me think that they should sit down and have a powwow before right. they go on these adventures. When yeah. I make this hand signal, it means stay there and don't do anything. I have a plan. Well, the doctor also gave the microphone to Jamie. So Jamie's sitting there going like, I have the ability to do this. And there was yeah. no cue from the doctor going like, this? Like, no. <laughs> like, don't do that. Yeah, they, so, they just have like a little word like remove the kilt exactly <laughs> and that, that means the doctor I don't think they could put that on TV in the 60s well the, you're not going to actually remove it but if the doctor tells you if the doctor says remove the kilt you know oh I shouldn't do these or things maybe and everyone don't else remove like, the kilt okay I won't and everyone else is looking at him like were you planning on taking that off yeah. <laughs> and the whole audience is Hi. <laughs> or fifty percent of the audience at least. <laughs> oh, no. Even there were the whole audience. Especially in modern who you get those like little eye signals like Matt Smith or Peter Capaldi will give you that like that that like stare where it's where the companion goes like oh, okay, I know. But in this one he was just holding his helmet kind of going, No, I'm gonna do it, let me do it, let me do it and he's just kind of sitting there yeah. and you're like, I don't know if he needs my help and this is really gonna happen. I should I be worried? Like Yeah, to oh. everybody else who's not in on this exactly. planning, it just looks like the doctor is doing a self sacrificing yeah. move, which exactly. is exactly what the doctor would, would do. do. Yeah. It, well, it's also just like totally within the realm of the doctor to mm-hmm. not say anything. Yeah. He's like, I right. got it, guys. Just leave me alone. He's, and this is like, you guess, I guess you could see this as his like learning experience. Right. He's still learning how to work with companions and still learning how to, like, is he going to let them in on his master plan? Like, this is, this was, it blew up in his face, essentially. So it's one of those things where he's like, I have to plan these things and I should <laughs> train my companions to know. Yeah. Maybe you can I have, should communicate with people. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. You can have the <laughs> best team someone, dynamic, you know? but if you don't signal your plays, no one's going to know what to do. Exactly. Exactly. He's not a very good quarterback. There you go. And I love how they comforted him at the end. They're like, no, you were fantastic. And he's like, you have no idea how sad I am. They all did that, the SNL powwow at the end where they all gather gather around the camera. And I half expected them to be like, well, that's all for tonight's episode. But it was fantastic. That was like, essentially what it was. It was. Like, okay, we're done and we need to go quickly. Why? Well, they might turn the trains on. Yeah. Guys, the tunnels are still covered well, in fungi was, and I, I inaccessible. Lo- I love that. What are you doing? That was after the member of the press was like, I want to talk to you about your right. TARDIS. And, and that's when he was like, like I got to go. And we're yeah. out. Um, and I do love that he, like, the, the point, like, this has greater ramifications. Mm-hmm. Like, he's like, you don't know what you've done. Yeah, you basically killed Clara. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he did! Jamie, why? <laughs> Think about it, guys. It's true. Sadly. She got better. <laughs> a few times. It's very impressive. That's pretty- he killed her every time. Ah, uh, it's all Jamie's I wonder if fault. there are any other companions that inadvertently killed Clara. <laughs> so it's just like all I'm the sure previous companions were in some way responsible for one of Clara's deaths. Every <laughs> single one of them. Well, it also is just like, it's nice that they, again, just comparing it to like where we get the great intelligence mm-hmm. in Matt Smith's run, that this one, he's specifically like, I am not here to make, to get revenge. The current intelligence, the way it goes out, is very much about revenge. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, but it didn't that in the modern Doctor Who didn't that stem from um, wanting revenge because they were working with the 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 oh my god, what's his name? What's the Doctor's name? 
who is in the, the Modern Who episode, didn't they like, didn't he feed kind of the the great intelligence like with that his emotional emotions. revenge? Yeah, because because of the whole experience that he had with the, the woman drowning. Wasn't that kind of like a whole Oh, yeah, yeah, it made thing. him yeah. bitter. And that was, yeah. Yeah, it absolutely informed it. And, mm-hmm. and that's the... The, the, the beauty of the show is that you get this, you take the same character, the same base idea right. of just like very intelligent, non-existent, like gas, mist, outer space cloud thing, and go in wildly different directions. With and it. it's kind of fun to think of something that was so detached and, you know, logical. Yeah. To becoming so emotional mm-hmm. and so, again, bitter and spiteful, and you make mistakes that way. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It, it's, a, it's a great episode. Do you guys have any last thoughts, like any great moments that you loved, anything else in this episode? I just really liked them talking about, we'll take this street to this street, and then we'll go to this tunnel, and we'll do this, and we'll go up there. And I'm just like, it's like telling someone to take the 405 to the <laughs> 101 to the 134 and then get off on pass. That, that It's, you know, it makes sense to... Anyone who lives in L.A. because, you know, freeway, 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 exit. But for everyone else, it's like, what the hell is the 134? But it makes sense. I yeah. totally yeah. understood what they were going <laughs> for. Someone you're talking about, we're going to go up this street, and then we're going to get off at Covent Garden, and we're going to do that. Like, I was, I've been to London, like, seven years ago. So it's like, okay, here's the vague map. But for other Americans watching this, it's like gobbledygook. Having been to London as well, like, um, I, I really like just saying, oh, look, they're at Piccadilly Circus. Yeah. <laughs> they killed the whole yeah. circle line. My, well, that's not good. My favorite moment, at least for, for me in this episode, is very, it's a very simple moment. It's when, um, the doctor comes in and he's just started to control the, the sphere and Evans goes, how did you stop it? And the doctor goes, simple. I told it to. And he just yeah. has that Matt Smith look on his face. He goes, what? Like I, no, and I was like, oh, it was so perfect, so perfect. I mean, they mess with points to Troughton a lot as like, yeah, his basis for the Doctor. And I think it, you can see it, and it was just so fantastic. Everything the Doctor embodies such wonderful qualities, but and you can see them all just kind of ooze out of his facial expressions. And that moment for me, I was like, oh, it felt so good. <laughs> I love his his excitement at times. I love uh, they have the little like lesson of the week mm-hmm. when uh, they jump onto the train tracks. He's like, no! Oh, right. <laughs> the third rail! Kids at home, don't jump on the third rail. <laughs> or like Kids when at home, don't jump on the train tracks at all. When they're doing the slideshow and it's him and the professor and they're and they're talking about how like the Yeti's 2.0 and they're like, oh, and they're getting so excited. I was like, oh, that's so Matt Smith. Nerds. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that's gonna do it for this uh, this week of Doctor Who classics. This was the Web of Fear here at AfterBuzz TV. Uh, Kristen, where if people want to keep up with you week to week, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter at Kristen Gerhart. That's C H R I S T E N G E R H A R T. I'm Katie Cullen. You can find me on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at Kiaxet. That's K-I-A-X-E-T. I am also on Arrow, which is the second half of the crossover tonight, and Z Nation, which has its finale on Sunday. And I'm Megan Salinas. You can follow me on Twitter at TheMenguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. And I'm also on a bunch of shows here at AfterBuzz. And you guys can follow me on Twitter at ThatZachWilson, T-H-A-T-Z-A-C-H-W-I-L-S-O-N. Also here after Buzz, a ton of shows, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Sleepy Hollow, uh, a bunch more, Grim. Uh, <laughs> also but, Z Nation. <laughs> yes, Z Nation. Yes. Yeah, we already plugged that one. Guys, Plug I'm again. Zach Wilson, and thanks for geeking out with us. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. 
To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.